When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's all right. I can, I can, I can regulate the answers. Can you? To Nico's questions. I saw you and Clates on Friday. We'll I, th- find I don't out. know if you can. Well, there was a. Uh, <laughs> Hello everybody, welcome to Planet FPL, the world where everything revolves around fantasy Premier League. My name's Such. And my name is James. You're in the hot seat, James. I'm back. I'm here. Hashtag James is back. We basically just sat Clayton because he's in the top 10k, so we got dis- yeah, that's yeah, enough. Yeah. Get rid Problem of that. Is, uh, that's the only way we're going to get any listeners around here. It's <laughs> the only way we're going to get any listeners around here. Um, yeah, we are not even all the way through the game week, James, and we had two fewer fixtures than usual as well. Um, Might keep this one a little shorter then, maybe, or maybe not, because I haven't spoke for about four days. So, uh, You and the missus not talking? No. We never talk. No, no, Actually, no, I'm bless sorry. her. She's been very good and very helpful to me. So, nice. And uh, thank you for all the kind and well wishes people have sent I can confirm by obviously sitting here and being in the same room as Suj that I am not dead uh, <laughs> despite the fact that I think many might have been hoping for my demise no I'm still here and I'm back um, the drugs work I've always said they don't but they do work um, yeah pain is in a is in a good place at the moment let's, let's, let's say that it's not uh, out the woods or anything but put it this way I'm well enough to be here so yeah in a good place at the moment nice and your FPL team has had a good weekend as well your midfield was solid so far uh, yeah not bad that's because I haven't done anything so that's probably why I've had a good week right transfers don't always tend to work out so yeah I think you summed that up quite well um, across the midfield the, the 33 points from Saka Bailey Foden He's nice. I haven't quite noticed that, that every midfielder that's played for me so far is on uh, double digits. Uh, is Jared Bowen going to add to that tonight, Serge? Unlikely, <laughs> but, you know, uh, if your team is uh, any indication, then sure. Uh, Ollie Watkins return, Captain Haaland, that's my lot. I'm on 57. That has been a 50k rise for me, up to 225k. We've obviously the two West Ham to go tonight in Ariola and Bowen, so could get a little bit better, but I'm aware that there's obviously Tony out there and be a bit of Brentford defensive ownership might be a few kudos differentials out there as well so no guarantee it will get better but yeah I'm, I'm pretty content with that I was always going to be quite well set I think um going into 26 like my team had everyone at home bar Man City players so it kind of looked a little bit like a free hit team as well realized there was some I didn't go into such as Wolves yes there's a content creator who didn't buy Huang He Chan this week. Wang. Uh, and Oh, no, you did buy him. I didn't bought you? Huang yeah. this week. I debated. I'm only on 40 points this week, even though I went against the robot for captaincy. Um, and went with Ollie Watkins. Oh, who nice. Well done. Did all right for me. But so it kind of started well. Okay, Ollie Watkins, a goal and assist, and, and no BPS in the end, but whatever. And Holland not returning. I was like, okay, maybe it'll be all right. But I don't own Saka. And Saka's been. A thorn in the side for ages. Um, 
Clayton and I debated it out on Friday or Thursday, one of the shows, I can't remember, where someone said, who are the essential, that if you could only have a few people from yeah, this, this game. This is what happens. I take a couple of days you? off and you lot start talking about essentials. No, but we talked about the three, if you could pick any, who are the ones that could hurt? Like, because you can't have everyone in a blank game week, right? So if you could only have a few, who would you definitely have? Holland, because of the captaincy. Watkins, home tie against Nottingham Forest. The only other player was Saka. Great. At 61% ownership. Um, he was the other one that could hurt. Like, your de- Arsenal defensive or a couple of the others could hurt. But Saka at 61% um, was particularly high. It's not 61%, though, is it? It's much more than that. Yeah, yeah, because of the effective uh, and live managers. Um, so, anyway, I thought I'd just go with uh, Huang instead of Saka just for the potential upside of two home fixtures being Sheffield United and Fulham. Um, and he didn't return, but it's a three-week transfer. So let's see how he gets on in the next two. Um, hindsight being all that, like Saka has been so consistent for a little while, maybe he would have been the better... Thank better God I brought him back actually, last week. I've only got... The way I see it now, there are only 13 weeks left or 12 weeks left. There's only 10, 12 decisions left to make this season in FPL. Um, so it just, depends what chips you got left, mate. No, of course, I'd, I'd argue that's near a 30. Yeah, it depends whether or not you call using a wild card one decision or 15 decisions. I think on a wild card, it's 15 decisions. Uh, although there'll be a handful of players that just will be non-decisions. Either exactly. way, uh, I'm going to do my level best between now and the end of the season to not captain Holland. And only by players that I feel like a feel like a bit of fun. Okay, I'm, I'm really surprised because I didn't consume a lot of content on. Well, I don't consume a lot of content on the internet anyway. Um, I thought Huang was a punt. I I didn't realise that that many <laughs> people. Like everybody bought him. Yeah, I'm blown away by that. I'm. I if you'd have said to me how many people are going to buy Huang on Friday, I would have thought hardly any. And it's not. It's obviously not. Everybody, I guess, somewhat. Yeah, it feels like here, but obviously I, I'm surprised how many actually did because I thought a, it was a complete... It would have made a lot of sense for bother? a lot of people this week. Um, you know, Jotter owners, Richarlison owners. Um, Palmer, maybe. Even, yeah, Cole Palmer, absolutely. Similar value. Um, maybe even people are frustrated with the likes of Jared Bowen. So, I mean, for a lot of people, I think it just fell into to place and I don't think it was a bad bad transfer at all. I did a piece on... Two home games, Sheffield what? United and Fulham. Yeah, and, and Newcastle away are giving oh, up so many chances in the fine middle. as yeah. well, right? Yeah. So I think it was very much a three-week decision um, and the impact on that afterwards is very much dependent on whether Wolves play in 29 or not or if Which people are free-hitting. this week. For those who are free-hitting, it's not a bad one to carry a little bit further on. Their fixtures is Villa away in 30, but their fixtures afterwards aren't too bad. They fall into a category, Wolves, I think that if you were... Or, or are free hitting in 29 they're the sort of team that probably appeal a little bit more and three teams who haven't played this weekend I think will appeal more to free hitters Tottenham, Liverpool and Chelsea I think it will come back on the agenda for certain people um, this week but the landscape could change very much I basically know what my transfer is going to be this week but have not made it it's the same one I was thinking about last week, Alvarez to Solanke. Which is a certainty for me this week. And I did think Saturday night, Alvarez looked like he was going to drop in price. Solanke was going to go up. I don't know if that might have even happened last night. I was like, no, let it go. Let think, it think go. Think of external factors in terms of 
Game's happening this week. What if Solanke gets injured tomorrow night in the FA Cup? What if Erling Haaland gets injured? Probably don't want to lose Alvarez under that perspective suddenly. It would be Haaland that I would lose, right? Um, and obviously the information from the Cup games as well. Now, almost definitely I'm buying Solanke almost no matter what. But I still ain't doing that until these Cup games are gone. I think the other most likely transfer for me this week, Surgeon, and we'll have the money to do it, is Jota to Hyunming's son. Um, because then I could afford to. I know um, me and Clayton discussed last Monday about considering players that other people wouldn't be able to get to. And I think he'll fall into that line for me and therefore will be the one worth getting. But I've got flags defensively, right? Um, Pedro Porro, Power Torres again. And they'd both be starting for me this week. So again, it's a wait for me. Um, the information that we can learn from the cup games and particularly the draw in the next 60 hours or so is massive. We will do another chip strategy podcast on Thursday. Yeah, I, I've got that uh, same transfer, Alvarez to Solanke there. Boring though, isn't it, really? Let's be honest. Then don't do it, but nearly every man is dog. Boring. Uh, yeah, to to no, be honest, I think F- I'll, I'll FPL it, managers but fall into... But I'll probably into, add another one. FPL managers fall into three categories with Solanke. There's those who own him, those who are buying this week, and those who are buying next week. It's true. Uh, unless, Genuinely. of course... Injuries can play a part exactly and throw that. everything up in the mix. And it would be so typical FPL for Dominic Solanke to get injured at Burnley on Sunday. Or even, let me put it a better way, hobble off against Leicester and ask not to know whether he's available or not for the weekend. Mm. It probably would be more to the point. Yeah, uh, I, I'm not desperate to make that move. Like, as in, if I didn't make the Alvarez to Solanke move this week, it would be the week after. Like, when I say I'm not desperate to, I've got enough okay fixtures from the rest of rest of my bench. Like, if I didn't play Alvarez, I played Socek, Everton away. Okay, whatever. Or Alfie Dowerty. Is Socek even going to play, mate? Uh, who knows? But I've got Dowerty, Aston Villa at home. He will play. Um, there's always a bit of attacking threat there, potentially. Like, I don't need to force it, put it that way. Um, but if I buy Solanke, then I should really take a minus four for something else as well, for a bit of fun, shouldn't I? Why should you? Because this game's about having a bit of fun. Okay, you, if that's your way of fun, have some fun then, Yeah, mate. I think I need to. Um, All right. Sell Haaland. I need Holland. to get rid of... If you're not going to captain him, sell Haaland and go f- all out on it, mate. Who to? Oh, Solanke. <laughs> what could I do with the money? Um, there is a case, I think, that... Personally, selling Haaland before Manchester United at home that hasn't got Sandro Martinez or Luke Shaw is not something I'd want to do. My intention would still be to captain Haaland this week. But afterwards, Liverpool way, blank, Arsenal. If you're going to bet against, this would be the sort of time to do it. I'm going to go Ollie Watkins again. Luton away, captain, armband. Okay. No, what about your boy, Richarlison? Crystal Palace at home. No. I think Saka will be very popular for Capsi this week. I think his EO will be over 100%. Wow, okay. I think he'll, be, he'll probably be a loser in the book if you don't captain him. Worth bearing in mind, obviously, Haaland will be the same as well. But yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, my intention would still be to captain Haaland. Good, good. Uh, let's talk about some chippy chip, 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 chips. You want to talk about chips? Uh, not in the sense of let's have a long, in-depth conversation about chips. Let's just tell everybody about Thursday so that we can bookmark and kick forward the conversation about chippy chip chips. Yeah, uh, so as mentioned, chip strategy pod on Thursday. Yes. I've seen lots of talk of definitive, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. 
well, when Newcastle, Manchester United and Manchester City all lose over the next 60 hours, we might all feel different about life. And I think even if you look at yesterday's Carabao Cup final, um, which featured Liverpool and the uh, blue billionaire bottle jobs, that was Gary Neville's words, not mine. Um, they what, were Gary Neville's words well, until everybody else decided to repeat <laughs> them and make them their own. Stunning, wasn't it? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, look at Liverpool going into that game with Southampton now. Like, what team is he going to pick? They've got Forrest on Saturday. Mm. Could he just sack it off and just play kids against Southampton? I would not rule out Liverpool getting beat on Wednesday night after that yesterday and what they went through. And Chelsea are obviously going to be massively fatigued against the Leeds side, who I did watch them against Leicester on Friday night um, and won 3-1. And I think they're on about nine wins in a row or something, Leeds. Wow. Um, must say, they were fortunate Friday night because Leicester should have put the game to bed before they won it. Um, but they'll go and give Chelsea a, a game. And Chelsea are going to be on fragile mindset. So the whole outlook, suddenly you might have Arsenal playing again in 29. whole outlook might look very, very different. We will also, after this week um, or these next couple of days, understand far better um, the probabilities for game week 34 and 37. So for those not free hitting in 29, have probably a better understanding of whether it's 34, 37 or 28 or even 38 or 36. I might even talk about some of those as prospects for free hits on Thursday as well. So we'll go over the chips again. And I feel like Thursday will be the final kind of, I think on the last chip pod we did, I said you kind of need to narrow down to A versus B in terms of your plans. Thursday, it's locking in that plan. And that can still have flexibility, like free hit 34 or 37. Um, but it needs to be a clear direction, certainly for 29. Aston Villa 4, Nottingham Forest 2. Should we get into these games? Yeah, can I just say, I am drugged up and I am going to say some things incorrectly. Me too, peeps. Like when I do, no, really. and I, I know I do anyway because I rush my words. But when I do, can you try and jump in and correct me? <laughs> Nah, we're just going to create a little uh, blooper reel. <laughs> you can create Instead. that every week with me anyway. Yeah, uh, obviously having armbanded Watkins for him to score so early, I'm like, all right, come on, fill your boots time. Uh, I was out with the kids. We went to the British Museum for, s- for some reason. We had, the missus was away for a couple of days. Nice. Anyway, was on the tube. So came back out of the tube to see 3-0, thinking, yeah, I am going to fill my boots and nothing more for Ollie Watkins. In the end, just a lowly assist to go with the goal. Um, but if you'd said to me uh, prior to the game, 4-2 Aston Villa, you'd feel comfortable captaining Ollie Watkins. So oh, yeah. Decision, happy with, outcome could have been better. But still nine points, so no worries. Well, it's nine points because Leon Bailey and... And uh, Douglas Louise went off big time, right? Yeah. That's why he's not ended up in uh, too much. Of, was he in the bonus at all? Uh, in the end, he wasn't. He he was for periods, and in the end, just fell out. No BPS. Oh, so John McGinn, uh, with just the assist, that's very interesting. Yeah. Um, Louise, uh, <laughs> remarkable. Did you see the tweet I posted um, last night, I think, Serge, about Douglas Louise? I haven't been on the old Twitter, James. So... Douglas Louise now is up to what? Sixth highest scoring midfielder in the game or something? Okay. Um, 75.38% of his points in FPL this season have been in home games. It's an average of 7.54 points per game. In away games, he's averaging 2.67. I don't know if we've ever seen the disparity that big 
on one player. And by the way, this carries into the back end of last season as well. He scored at home to Brighton in game week 38 last year. Tottenham at home in game week 36, I think that was, last year. So his record at home is staggering. What I would say is, in terms of, oh my God, Kamara's out of the team. He's going to end up playing deeper. Actually, yeah, he might still be. He's just arriving in the right place at the right time in terms of the two goals that he scored. Both open play goals-ish in terms of the header. I know it's a breakdown from a, a set piece originally, but he arrives into the box at the right time. So he's still going to be allowed to do that. And I think John McGinn is, will also crash into the box. So you'll probably get them turn-taking a little bit more in terms of what they're doing. Um, I'm not surprised that people overlooked him because despite his consistency, and obviously not everybody has, some have bought him, um, but he certainly wasn't flavour of the week like Huang. He was definitely in the thoughts, though. Of course, but but it was... For one simple reason. The only reason I spent maybe three minutes thinking Douglas Louise over Huang was simple. Game week 29. I was like, do I want to just get Douglas Louise because he's guaranteed to play in game week 29? And again, it didn't feel like... It didn't feel like it was enough of a a reason to go against the upside of Huang. Um, But that's why I think a lot of people may have gone to him, just because he plays... Yeah, fifth highest scoring midfielder, sorry. 130 points. Um, it's uh, 98 of them in home games. That's remarkable. Yeah. So he's he's got, for example, more points in home games this season than the likes of Jota, Diaz, Martinelli, Kulazeski, yeah. Havertz, Bruno I mean, Fernandes. Some of those have been I've injured, missed games. But I've got in home and away games. Yeah, it's true. So uh, And Ollie Watkins now, highest scoring player in the entire game James yes at the moment that's obviously part impacted by the robots injuries as well um, yep. I'm more surprised I don't think there's much to say on Watkins I've, I think for those heading towards game week 29 he is the number one kind of cover like if although it's West Ham away and it's not the easiest fixture it's the one you've got to know that everybody building towards it is going to go for him everyone free hitting is going to go for him He's the number one. That, you know, people, how many do I need to have game with 29? You probably need to have Ollie Watkins as a first priority. He's also anytime, any place, right? If Villa play well and create chances, he'll have chances. I'm more surprised, Serge, we talked about Louise. I'm more surprised there wasn't a bit of a steam into Bailey, though, for the, the upside reasons of, of what he can be and the form he's in. He's in absolutely brilliant form. I know it's off-putting because of his injury record, etc. And I've also spoken about the, um, the the problem with his relationship with Matthew Cash on that side of the pitch. But he's banging form, and I think he'll pick up attention. I think he'll pick up as much attention as Louise over this forthcoming period. And he's a brilliant differential, Leon Bailey. I'm pr- very pleased that he's sitting in my squad at the moment. He could have had more than what he got at yep. the weekend as well. He's exactly what I discussed with Clates last week. You want to go on the metrics and you start going down the Bailey, Louise route, etc. Then Bailey's going to kill it on expected per nine. Who would you buy new? Bailey or uh, Louise? For right me now, now as it's an away game, this way I'd buy Bailey. Yeah. If you're holding through to a 29 as a longer term? Well, Louise's only got one home game. So you'd go Bailey still, you think? I think so. Mm. And I think even if I look at that one home game, is obviously Tottenham. Um, it should be a good fixture for Bailey and Watkins in terms of their counter-attacking prowess. They will obviously have a little less of the ball than they would normally have in home games. But Villa will come and, and press and get in Tottenham's faces in that game. I'm pretty sure of that. So, yeah, it, to be honest, it would be Bailey for me. It's not to discount or put anyone off Louise. It's like, how many times are you going to keep overlooking it, right? 
Correct. So he's doing very, very well. Villa obviously going to stay very much on radar heading towards 29. And interestingly, I think Forest will, will, be, will become a team that gets on people's radars no matter what they decide to do. So obviously if they play in 29, it's a fixture against Luton which is perfectly reasonable. Um, and the fixture run begins to look good. I think people like, there's going to be a shortage of forwards probably in 29. Someone like Aaron Yee, although you need to bear in mind, he went off at half-time um, at the weekend, but apparently precautionary, might get a little bit of attention. I think Morgan Gibbs-White. I think Elanga, for those who need an enabler. And also, actually, even if you are free-hitting in 29 and you're removing that week um, from your psyche, then Forrest are actually one of the, the better ones, I think, if you're free-hitting as well after you get beyond Liverpool. So after you've got beyond Liverpool this week, you look at, in, for the offensive players, Brighton away, then free-hits you wouldn't use, Palace at home, Fulham at home, or if you're not free-hitting, put Luton in the middle of that. Mm. So there's a little period coming up after Liverpool where I think Forrest players might create a little bit of attention. They played near Catty at left-back, which I think was because they didn't want Toffolo to go up against Bailey. Um, I think Toffolo will probably come back into the team, perhaps subject to Mo Salah's fitness for the weekend, perhaps. But he is—he does seem to be sticking now with this front four of Hudson, Adoya, Langer, and Gibbs White behind Awanyi. And as you've regularly been saying, they are scoring more goals. Yeah, another two there. Um, one to, to keep an eye on, definitely. The one of the games you mentioned there, Brighton away. Brighton won, Everton won. You called a two-one to Everton in your predictions on the Diff Show. Mm. I didn't see Everton getting anything out of this. Uh, Brighton will probably get to the end of the game and just think, yeah, I'll take the draw and is what it is. Very unfortunately at the time, I was actually DMing our Everton correspondent, Sean Norton, at, in injury time when Dunk equalised. Because oh. I can't remember what he said in the chat. Uh, it was in a little DM group that we have with our correspondents. And he said, um, he said something and I said, yeah, no one's talking about the fact I tipped up Everton a win today. Bang, Brighton scored. Sorry, Sean. That, that's on me. That's my yeah, fault. Yeah, take, take that. That's your fault. Jinx there. Um, the reason I thought Everton might win at the weekend is is we didn't see it last week with the Sheffield United game. These games can be really sticky for Brighton. Yeah, low you block know they're going to have a load of the ball. Mm. You know they'll overcommit. And we saw Everton do it better than anyone in May last year in terms of how they counted on Brighton. The goal doesn't come from that at all. Brantfrey's now got two from four. And he's going to be really, really popular uh, on the other side of game week 29. He's cheap, enabling price. He plays every game. They're one of the best teams in the league for clean sheets and actual goals conceded, whatever you think of them. He's an ideal one to carry through the end of the season. Yeah, I've got Jamal LaSalle sitting there, for example, for ages. Like, if I was wildcarding, I'd swap him out and put in a Branthwaite or something like that. If I wildcard in 30, I, I can't see me not going with him as yeah, one of I'm one of you. my defenders, even though it probably would be as a substitute. Yeah, he'll sit on the bench most, most weeks, weeks, but who cares? Fixtures, 4.2, if you need him, you can rely on him. I can't re- rely on Jamal Lascelles right now. Their fixtures for the running are, are really good as well. I've got them third on my FDR from game week 30 to the end. Their run from game week uh, 34 till they go to Arsenal in 38 is extraordinary. I wouldn't be surprised if we win three, four games in a row over that period. So, Jared Brantthwaite is, a, is an obvious one, I think, to look on, look at. And people have their eyes on him now because you're getting the odd goal coming yep. with this as well. Um, really good result for Everton. Obviously, really disappointed that they haven't won it. No Mitoma, obviously, for Brighton. Um, Deserby wasn't sure if he was going to be back 
for the week for the midweek uh, game with Wolves in the cup or not. The headline news again, of course, is Paris Estupinan. Estupinan. Who presumably went to Roberto De Zerbi's house last week and had way too much pasta and therefore wasn't in condition. So I think this has become a problem now that people need to deal with. So what's happening if we look at the last... Sell him, you mean, if you own him? It's tough, man. It's tough because you're not at the end of the, the good fixtures, right? What have they got this weekend? It's Fulham and then Forest, mm-hmm. isn't it? So there's a couple more good games to go, right? If, if you were looking to say, oh, I want to buy a player for two weeks, like Fulham away and Forest at home would be one of the... You'd probably put Brighton probably in the top five over the next two weeks. So selling is, yeah, a little bit horrible. The problem is that... And Deserby spoke about this... Um, before the game as well, in terms of their structure of this box that they create between the two centre-backs and the midfield, it's not there at the moment. They're doing things very differently with a back three in possession. We saw that with Webster moving from right-back to right-sided centre-back at Sheffield United. You've now seen that at the weekend with Igor Julio moving from left-back to left-sided centre-back. And what he's done in both games so far is trust Tarek Lamptey in one of the two wing-back positions. So he's pushed him really high on this occasion from right wing-back, uh, right-back to right wing-back and moved the Dingra from the right-hand side to the left-hand side with no Matoma. So if you want Istupanan, you, you want him as that left wing-back. Yep. But even though you've not had Matoma playing, Istupanan's not played. So even if he does play at the moment, it feels like it might be as the left-sided centre-back. Mm. So, because if Matoma plays, he's the one that's going to hold that touchline on the left-hand side. So, for Estupinan, the fact that Matoma wasn't available, I feel like that's a real kick in the teeth that he's not played and it needs assessing now. Um, Deserby potentially maybe just thinks that he doesn't work in that system, which they're using at the moment to compensate all these lack of attacking players they've had. Now, some of them are coming back, right? So, Fatty's back available. Julio Siso was on the bench at the weekend, but the, and Nadingra's obviously back from AFCON. So, it may begin to change. Jao Pedro's obviously out. Evan Ferguson's out of form. It may also change because Billy Gilmore's now going to have He's a suspension yeah. for two Premier League games, those next two, importantly. And they don't have too many options in that midfield area. So it, that would be enough to put me off investing in Brighton at the moment. Um, I don't think that it will be easy for a stupid man owners to sell. It might be the right decision. Mm. Pascal Gross is ticking along nicely, though. Brilliant. He's having a great season. The, the reality is it's as well... expensive at six and a half, but... He's probably not expensive, but he seems expensive because you're comparing him against the likes of maybe Huang or Super any of those uh, Aston Villa guys uh, a million cheaper. You wouldn't go with Gross over Bailey or Louise right now necessarily because we don't Why know they're 29. Again, depends if you're free hitting in 29, sure. Then but it if appeals you're not, more. If you're not, then um, you'd rather a player playing in 29. And so the Villa guys would be more appealing to me. Or, or the thing is with Gross, he's almost fixture proof as well. He is in and the sense that, proof like, as well, even if he plays right back or central midfield or. 10 but he or won't whatever. at the moment. No. That, that's one of the beauties as well. That's not going to happen. He has to play central midfield at the moment because he's short of options, and even more so now with Gilmore suspended for the next two. So I think this would probably be a key point on Brighton because they're obviously going to almost definitely going to have doubles later in the season, and that'll attract interest. But Duncan and, and Gross, we might need to start thinking of the only two here mm. to consider from a reliability on a minutes perspective. Van Heck, you might be able to add to that. 
Well, he's but, played every game for a long time. But the rest, it's just like, it's a lottery, isn't it? This with a Superman, I don't think it's a criticism. Anyone who went there, I get it. It was very much on my radar as well. I was just fortunate the timing-wise didn't work for me. Otherwise, I could have been there myself. It's a headache. You don't need this with Brighton. Um, they've got a very tough Europa draw. Um, it's basically a 50-50 match-up with Roma in Europa League. Um, Roma look a little bit more offensive now that they've sacked you-know-who very recently. Um Brighton are going to have a major, major impact in terms of the layout of the blanks and doubles later in the season, purely because the games that they'll have to rearrange would be against Chelsea and Manchester City, respectively. And Chelsea have also got the extra games with Arsenal and Tottenham. And Manchester City also have to play Tottenham. It's a vicious circle. Um, and there is that element to Brighton's game against Roma could be really important for the run-in and understanding which game ends up as an odds and sod game. So, like, Chelsea and Tottenham is the most likely. We'll discuss this more on Thursday. But I think if Brighton lose to Roma, then Brighton-Chelsea becomes the most likely. Okay. So, there's something to bear in mind on them as well. But they're, they're, despite good fixtures, they're largely unavoided, Brighton. It's, mm. it's just too much of a headache. You don't even know who's going to play in goal. It's a joke. Crystal Palace 3, Burnley nil. Burnley will be sh- super disappointed and really looking down the barrel now. Um, I don't see how they're going to get out of it. They're not. But, let's just be yeah, honest let's, about let's, it. To be fair. But Palace... Glasner's unbeaten, <laughs> so far unbeaten, but he is a draw and a win so far. Um, comfortable home win in the end, uh, despite obviously not despite, in spite with the red card to to Burnley. So um, they managed to capitalise on it well. But three 0 home win, they'll be happy. Um, I can't remember who put it on the Twitter. A Palace fan started mentioning the word fun at Selhurst Park and. Enjoyable. They've just beat 10-man Burnley. Yeah, understandable. Okay. Great. I, I get it. And I've seen a lot of positive I'd like to beat a 10-man optimism. Burnley right Listen, now. you've got a combination of... A lot of them wanted to change the manager, which they've obviously done. It's a more exciting appointment. Some of European pedigrees. Europa League winner, Oliver Glasner. Um, the system changes. So it's all new and exciting in terms of what they're doing. I'm just a little calm... You've just beat 10-man Burnley. A 10-man Burnley, you played like an hour with 10 men, right? Mm. We're one of the weakest teams in this league. We know that, unfortunately. They're also, by the way, Palace, they're bottom of my FDR for the remainder of this season now. Okay. So... Good luck. Bear that in mind. But there's some decent fixtures coming up. Tottenham away is decent for the offensive ones this weekend. Luton in 28 is good. Newcastle at home in 29, if Newcastle does to Blackburn tomorrow night, is fine. Forest away 30, then their running is pretty dreadful. What they importantly need to do is just keep ticking over over these next three or four. Make sure the cushion is there because you don't want to be looking over that shoulder um, going into the last six or seven. Three points over one point. When you're chipping away with draws, it's all right. But when you can put a three-point... Uh, put three points on the table. It's given them what the cushion now is eight points to, yeah. to Luton. It's plenty. And you're probably taking points potentially off of Everton Forest, right? Yeah. We sh- we did expect to hear last week on Everton's appeal, and we didn't. So I think that's probably any time now when we get it. Should be this week, really. But obviously they could get added more again, and obviously so could Forest. So Palace are probably probably two wins from safety. Probably what they're on twenty eight. So twenty eight. Yeah, and two points for safety, and I'm sure they'll two get wins. that. 
Two wins, yeah. Yeah, as opposed to two points. Just check in. Thanks for correcting yeah, me. I told you. Yeah, cheers, yeah, mate. Right. Eze, right. every chance to be back. Zaha played well for Palace, didn't he? <laughs> Bruv, I know I'm on drugs, but I'm not that bad. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'm going to try and catch you out a little bit. <laughs> Let's just throw in random names of players. Um, yeah, Eze. Eze might be back for the weekend. Why is Ashley Barnes not playing for Burnley at the moment? He's at Norwich, you dickhead. <laughs> Um, Fafana's getting decent reviews for Bernie. He might be one to look at in the running as an enabler if you want to go five in midfield and kind of down that route, maybe. Yeah. But there's you know, Charlie Taylor owners. Woohoo! You got your one point. Yeah, he is a very blast much from the past, but is still at Bernie. He's still hanging about in people's teams. Well, I don't know when you're going to use it. Like, it's no. fine. It's a body. You're not get, The thing is, if you've got Charlie Taylor and you're heading for 29, you ain't selling him. No. He's got a game, right? Yeah. The one point's better than no point, basically. So. He'll hang about for people. Otherwise, I just wouldn't be looking at Burnley at this moment in time. Um, Bournemouth at home, West Ham away next two. A game is they, they're capable of getting points in, but you just wouldn't expect it at the moment, to be honest. For Palace, we got what we expected in terms of the back three. Um, that's very much been an Oliver Glasner trademark. We saw them play that Everton anyway, so completely expected. I think the takeaway, and we can't read anything into this too much because of Burnley playing with 10 men for so long at the weekend but they were just so much higher up the pitch mm. so I mean if you look at Tyreek Mitchell's heat map at the weekend you can't believe how far forward he is I would be staggered if his average position has ever been higher than that in a game of football for Crystal Palace now wing backs different role and I think Munoz at right back who I think is in 0.0% of teams at the moment, is one that will catch the eye. It might even be one if they end up playing in 29 that people start to look at as a potential one to be a bit rogue and wild card. He looks a good technical player. He obviously gets into advanced positions. That's different for Palace. I think it's interesting. I think about the game against Tottenham at the weekend. We'll discuss this on COTC tomorrow. I'm recording with Ricky and, and Rory for that tonight, for tomorrow's COTC on Tottenham Palace. And I do wonder if, if Palace are going to be braver, if it might play into Tottenham's hands at the weekend. Yep. But also, playing against back five has been difficult for Tottenham to break down. So Palace will need to find a balance between being a, a little bit Three more aggressive, they do the want to go and yeah. press, and, and we've certainly seen that at the weekend, or whether that changes against Tottenham. You can't read too much into destroying a 10-man Burnley at the weekend, but it is a great result for Palace. Eze, if he's back at the weekend, obviously a big bonus. Gaia and Elise, we're not quite sure on the, the prognosis at the moment. Chris Richards scored. He did. 3.9, and as, as I said to you, um, for you and Clates on the last pod, I think he'll stay in the team at the moment. I'd imagine when Gaia's back, he'll move to right-sided centre-back. But I think he'll stay in the team at the moment. Rory will probably confirm that for us on COTC. Uh, normal service has been resumed at Old Trafford, James. <laughs> yeah, it felt like it had. <laughs> Back to reality for the uh, Red Devils. Uh, Fulham 2, Manchester United 1. Without Palinia, I couldn't see past a Manchester United win, to be honest with you. They'd been doing a lot better. I thought Bruno Fernandes would be able to control that middle of the pitch without Palinia there snapping at his heels. Um, Fulham have been good all season, if I'm honest with you. They, they've, been, they've been decent all season, so... I don't. I I'm trying to remember when they've been slapped, Fulham. Like, I don't feel like this season they've had many games where they've been Germ- slapped. Germany slapped. away games they've won. No. So Saturday, first one. Saturday was their first away win since opening day. Wow. But the question is, how many, how many times have they been slapped this season? 
difference is only minus six, which isn't too bad considering the league position. No, probably not. But then also remember that those two five nils in a row. Against us, yeah. So if you made them plus ones, you're taking eight off that goal difference. Yeah, true. So um, in terms of slapped, no. No, I, I, they, they don't really feel like that sort of team. They feel like the sort of team, if they're set up correctly, can obviously trouble um, some good opponents. Look, they, they beat Arsenal. It's, it's two months ago. Um, it probably feels like a lifetime ago. They set up differently without Paulinho. Their compensation, what I thought they'd do to compensate it was, was play Alex Iwobi in a central role because Paulinho, you can leave as a, as a single pivot. Mm. You can't really leave someone else uh, to do that role. But I thought they might in terms of their structure in the sense that they're not in danger of going down. They're not going to get themselves into European places. I actually spoke last week in terms of them being the first to mention, are they going to be heading towards the beach? They certainly disproved that theory on Saturday. They played Lukic and Harrison Reid to compensate for losing the one player in Paulinho. Andreas Pereira played a more, even more advanced role than he norm- normally plays, way more like the auxiliary central number 10 that we saw very much last season. He's rather been more like an 8-10 hybrid um, during the course of this season, floating between right and left half spaces, depending on whether Tom Kearney played or not. So he played with those two sitting, was allowed to the freedom, and the front four were allowed to just go and do their business at the top end. It won't be played on the left wing. Um, finished his goal really well. I think that really took people by surprise. Yep. The fact that he actually finished it off an Adama Traore assist as well, which I had to double check. It's not that. It's not that Adama Traore. Can is I it? be honest with you? When I was watching, this is dangerous for me to say because they're playing my team in a couple of weeks. But even though I knew that Traore was going to assist the Wobi, when Traore carried the ball. I thought Ish pass will be shit. And I still thought Iwobi was going to miss when he had the shot as well. Um, but Iwobi actually being back for them is massive because he really carries the energy. I must remember, it wasn't just Paulinho they missed at the weekend. William as well mm. has been a big and important player for them. They actually made six changes to their lineup with Adriboa coming back in. Calvin Bassey is a far more athletic player than Tim Ream. That's helpful as well. He obviously scored the first goal. Physical, I would say. Reed is not the um, not Reed. Ream is not the most athletic. He's very experienced, physical. <laughs> but you can play a little bit higher up the pitch yeah. with someone like a Bassi than you would do with a Tim Ream. Bassi likes so, a little bit of a ruck. That's all I'm saying. Look, really, but it's this game, isn't it? So. Really, really good win for Fulham. And actually, Brian at home, Wolves away, Tottenham at home, leading into these forthcoming games, is not terrible. Muniz was really unlucky not to score again. I know I didn't see a huge amount of the game, but I know. Excuse me, Ian Wright said on match of the day that he thought it was man of match and played really well. And he stayed on for the whole game. Yeah. His hold-up was involved in that second goal. So he probably stays in. I think it's the same case with him. If we needed an enabler forward for 29, that would be really useful right now. Most of us don't. Most of us are going to end up with Holland, Solanke, Watkins or I've got Tony. That's it. So I probably don't really see the room for him. If you're free hitting in 29, you're probably not going to need the money and it's still going to be Watkins and Tony plus one or someone else. So I don't see, unfortunately, despite a really good result, I don't see people looking at them at the weekend. For United... They go to City at the weekend, so... Listen, Gary Robinson gets a lot of flack for being negative about United. And despite the four wins in a row, he was again last week on COTC to say, calm down. Calm down. Like, they won very late at Wolves. And they did play really well in that game. They won very late against Villa. Against your team, 
They weren't. I know one three nil. They weren't great. Yeah, and they kind of escaped. I know they had a lot of chance against Luton, but they didn't play well either. So it was like, look, just take stock, assess this. But I bet most of us thought when Harry Maguire scored, they'd win. You suddenly thought, oh, it will swing now. They've already done that this season, like Brentford. They'd had other late winners, such as Villa and Wolves, as recently mentioned. So it was kind of a gasp when you heard that Fulham had scored again. Several disappointing performers for United. We have to say that Rasmus Hoyland was a massive miss. And Eric Ten Hag has kept saying, when all the players are fit, you will see the results improve. They did. They lost Martinez. They lost Shaw. They've lost Hoyland. Hoyland is a massive loss. Marcus Rashford played through the middle. Um, the Athletic had reported that Mari Forsen was going to start on Friday night. And he did, but he played in a wider position that I think many of us thought would happen. It meant Garnacho moved to the left. Bruno obviously stayed in his more central role. Um, to be honest, though, the majority of that squad is back fit. And there's an argument to say Harry Maguire might have been sent off as well. Personally, I think the yellow is okay on that one. But they got well beat. The reality is this wasn't a smash and grab, fluke, anything like that. Fulham were deserving winners. And I don't know how United got to half-time at 0-0. Mm. And that suddenly, all that good form and confidence building has just evaporated in one. Imagine now if they lose to Forest on Wednesday in the Cup before they go to City on Sunday. Um, United, all through this little period of winning games, has still been giving up good chances. And for me, the likes of Hoyland, Hoyland will find it easier on Sunday than he would against certain other teams. Uh, I don't think United are necessarily capable of just going there and putting up a wall and playing on the counter at the moment. Particularly, we have to assume that Hoyland is out. God, that's horrible saying them two together when you're on drugs, mate, honestly. Hoyland, Hoyland. Uh, interesting. Like, If you look at it statistically, United had more possession, way more shots, way more big chances, higher XG in the game. I don't care. <laughs> I don't, I don't, no, I'm just saying, I, I statistically, you could, look, you could look at it and say, well, they were still in it. And like you said, they could have still got away with, with you, something. You could but. look at um, expected goal difference this season and see Tottenham knocking about the bottom half. Mm-hmm. A Tottenham, a bottom half team. You can yeah. get outliers here. Championship at best. Yeah, okay, got. babe. Okay, babe. Uh, Bournemouth nil, Manchester City won. Comfy enough. Not comfy enough. In For the... the for the, for the rough 400,000 or so FPL managers who bought Rasmus Hoyland last week, by the way, um, and were unaware for whatever reason that he was injured or didn't move it on for one reason or another, they're buying Solanke this week, by the yeah. way. Um, Bournemouth were really unlucky not to get signed from this, mm. actually. Um, two sides of this that I'd, I'd really like to cover. One is that good side, Bournemouth. I think the big FPL takeaway one from this weekend is the biggest news over this week is about Lloyd Kelly and his potential availability because if he's going to be out for a couple of weeks the one to get is Milos Kerkez back in at left back rather than Senesai who's now on eight yellows yeah I saw he got booked again I was going to buy him as well now look what's the chances of him getting booked at the weekend and then in the first game of 28 and missing the it's second gonna happen, one. It's going to happen, isn't it? This is what football, no, FPL folklore. probably not. And I think we've seen this again with the likes of Bruno Gimarej and even Rodri actually, I noticed, pulled out of a tackle at the weekend because he's, he's getting close as well. Um, the, once players hit the, oh, I'm close to it, the awareness, I think, grows. 
Um, but it's easier for centre-backs to obviously pick these up. Kirkes will become the best choice if Kelly's going to be ruled out for a couple of weeks. He will become popular very quickly, in my opinion. Um, I did have a little comparison look last night, actually, on Zabani and Senesai from an attacking output perspective, just to see if we were wasting our time on Senesai anyway, and if we could just go to Zabani. Um, Senesai and Zabani's XG is both terrible. Senesai's XA is significantly better than Zabani, so unfortunately there's nothing to that particular argument. Senesai would be the better of the two, um, but has obviously got these yellow cards accumulating. If you're obviously going to perhaps wildcard in 30, um, then surely you're okay to get through 28. You say they don't play in 29 as well, but you have to factor that in. So I think Senesai will still get attention, but maybe don't buy this week if you don't have to and wait. Again, I think if Kelly's out for a couple of weeks, it's get Kirkes anyway. Solanke's going to be unavoidable. I think that midfield that they played behind Solanke at the weekend, Semenyo, Kleiber, Tavernier, the three behind, is I described it in the preview I did last week for the patrons as being that's their best three to go and press. And they would be aggressive against City and not just back off. And that's absolutely to their credit because they did, they did try and press Manchester City at the right times. And in the second half, they did it very well, actually. Yep. Alex Scott can disrupt that. Luis Sinistera can disrupt that. Dango Utara can disrupt that. Philip Billing will be back from suspension. That can disrupt that. Good luck getting the one that will play twice in 28. I know that in terms of choice, I think Tavernier is probably the best one. Um, but good luck getting the minutes out of him. And you have to remember, they'll either play Wolves on the Saturday afterwards in 29, three days after playing Luton, or they're going to have an FA Cup quarterfinal yeah. probably afterwards as well. The absolute Brucey bonus here for Bournemouth ownership for 28 would be if Leicester beat them and Wolves still go through in the Cup. So then Bournemouth blank in 29 and just don't play at all then that's your best opportunity of getting something like Tavernier and getting the minutes you want because otherwise I think it'll be rotation, rotation. And for me I'm highly likely to be leaving that midfield just area just Solanke only and maybe a if Kirk Kelly's out I'm very interested in Kirkes very well, Christ, interested Price Kirkes now is he 4-3 four, 4-4 uh, I, I don't know I would say those heading that way the value probably doesn't matter he'll either be 4-4 four, four or 4-3 four, four, four. Four. he's 4-4 right now yeah yeah, that Lloyd Kelly information is crucial. For City, in terms of guessing Bournemouth's lineup, you've now got the same problem with Den. I think Luke uh, Williams, um, this FPL on Twitter, summed it up very well. Um, and he's very good in terms of predicting City lineups. He doesn't really want to at the moment. Um, and I understand why, because we're now in the stage of playing. Kovacic as a 10, Matthias Nunes as a left winger, and John Stones as a left-sided centre-back that moves into a right-sided 10 half-space hybrid position. Unbelievable. Mm. Wow. His summary was that other than Edison, Haaland, Foden, good luck guessing the rest at the moment. You can probably add Rodri to that as well. 
Um, but at some point, things like Copenhagen, maybe in the Champions League, there might be a rest between the, the Manchester United game and, and the Liverpool game, possibly even for someone like him. These league games are coming up. United, Liverpool, if they played Brighton 29, then Arsenal. Arsenal. Rodri's obviously going to start, but I think he's on seven yellows, if you can check that, Serge, I think. Um, and like I said, he pulled out a one at the weekend, Rodri, where there was a counter, and ordinarily he would have just pulled him down and taken the yellow, and he stopped short. Guardiola is not going to want him absent for these games coming up. Um, I've seen a lot of comments at the weekend of City being boring at the moment. And I get it. Lack of goals Lack of goals in their games recently. Seven yellows for Rodri James. Yeah, thank you. Their controlling, stifling um, way of playing is frustrating. But I tell you what, Bournemouth, if they'd have equalised, you'd have have had every reason to say they deserved that Mm. at the weekend. And for me as a tactical head, I don't know how anyone could look at the way John Stones played at the weekend and find that boring because they could have just watched him alone for that game. He wasn't just moving such from left-sided centre-back into midfield with Rodri, he was moving to right-sided 10 position. He was working. Referees running diagonals. Mm. If you've never known this before, you'll never unhear this. Referees running diagonals. Don't run in straight lines. They run across the pitch in a diagonal. That's John Stones. John Stones played an opposite... A referee will normally run from the right-back position to the left-wing position. John Stones did it the opposite. Remarkable. And that... The way they alleviated the problems I spoke about last week with Alvarez and Doku on that side and Chelsea exploiting that on that side, they obviously used Kovacic in a higher position who could then go and slot in with Rodri when John Stones went on his wanders. Yep. Nunes at left wing. I can't explain. No. But let's talk about a team that uh, if Newcastle had equalised, they wouldn't have deserved it because Arsenal slapped them. Probably one more thing we should cover, City. Go on. KDB. I wouldn't own him. Like if I owned him, I'd move it on. But they're just nursing him back in, right? So yeah, and he can go off any time. It's is is a difficult one to hold. But I think he'll play Sunday against United, but not in the cup. Confident on that, but not in the cup. I think after that, there's then a good enough excuse to move on. The problem is those who sit near with KDB be looking at things like Sun this week, and it'll be really tempting. And I'm not saying don't go there. I'm just saying that I think you'll play against City. I think you'll play a United. higher position. Thank you. The drugs do work. Um, I don't think Alvarez will start against United. I think Foden will play in a wider position. Guardiola cannot drop him at the moment. But I think he'll play in a wider position. I think City will defend out of possession in a 4-4-2 with De Bruyne up front with Haaland. And he'll, allow, he'll be allowed to go and float as the 10 in possession. I will be surprised if De Bruyne doesn't start against United. And it's, it's a big game. And you know what he is. That's all I'm saying. I think afterwards, there's then an excuse to very much move on. I would find that difficult to sell if I owned him this week. Sorry, carry on. Arsenal, I was saying, slaps Newcastle good and proper. Absolutely obliterated The first half them. was... Uh, I watched the first half and then didn't bother with the second half. I went to cook dinner. But that period of play before the second goal... I think um, because there was like one momentary loss of possession within that entire build-up, but it must have been 40, 50, 60 passes before finally the through ball went in and um, Martinelli uh, dragged it back. I'd be but surprised if that's high, that high because I think I'd have heard of it. 
It was a lot, though, side to side. I think they lost possession in between for, like, momentarily, but they just mesmerising. They were just keeping the ball so well. Newcastle couldn't get a glove on them. Um, Arsenal were outstanding. Mm. Um, that's one of the best performances I've seen from any team this season. They strangled them. Yeah, They couldn't breathe, Newcastle. It wasn't just the in-ball possession... It was how aggressive they were. Declan Rice, it. I thought he had a. It was just dominating that entire midfield. Well, I think he was allowed to obviously go and press further forward in alongside as well because obviously Jorginho was in the team and he was excellent, Jorginho. But then even when they got it out, like White was aggressive against Gordon, Saliba or uh, Gabriel would go and be aggressive against Isak. Isak never had a kick really. Kivior dealt with Almiron, fine, no problems. Um, Newcastle, I felt, worked out by the 40th minute, to be precise, that their only way out was to play the ball over the top. It started moving back into this back three shape that they did at Forest and started shoving Trippier up the pitch and trying to look look for him in behind and moving Almiron into more central areas. And they had a little brief bit of joy right at the end of the first half and right at the start of the second half. But that was that was about their, their lot. And their only way out was literally over the top. And the thing is, if you put yourself in a foot race with the likes of Gabriel and Saliba, they're fine with it, right? Arsenal were outstanding. At the same time, Newcastle were horrendous they have to be better than that I spoke about this last week about stop with the excuses now like the majority of the back line is back available the majority of the the team offensively is coming back yes there's still injury issues you know I forgive the fact that Isak's not fully fit etc Joe Willock has been a miss for them come on and scored the goal but they're not a million miles away from what their best team would be and probably helped by playing Livramento against Saka rather than Dan Byrne as well. Livramento had a difficult afternoon. Dan Byrne probably would have had a more difficult afternoon. With the way they set up, that was the right choice to go yeah. with Livramento. The Bravka missed out with illness. I spoke about criticism of him last week. Um, I do think he'll probably come back in for Carrius because I think Carrius might be a different problem in terms of set plays and his ability to command and create confidence in that area is no better than Dubravka, to be honest. I think I spoke last week about not ruling them out of the top four because their running is great and I actually still feel like that. But they're probably they're, they're like in a that. zone where they're going to have to score goals. That, yeah. I, I, the, the last year when they went on their runs are like one nils and stuff like that. Like You just don't see this side being anywhere near capable of doing that till Nick Pope's back. I was thinking, Suge, let's say Newcastle lose tomorrow night to Blackburn and their game at Palace is on. And I'm sitting there with two million in the bank. And I've got, let's use this as an example. I've got Torres and Porro both flagged, right? But if I'm heading towards 29, I don't really want to get rid of either of those two players, even if they weren't available this weekend. So what would maybe be a solution for me? Trips. Get trips in for... The three games, Wolves at home, Chelsea away, and then and then Palace away. And it's fine. There's nothing wrong with doing that. But I tell you what, my expectations on that wouldn't be expectations of what they normally would be against yeah, Kieran I Trippier. I mean, two points per appearance, six points, and maybe an assist, three more points. I, I, if you get nine to ten points over those three games, three a game, four a game, you'd, four, four points a game, 12 points, you'd be well happy with. But there's going to be no clean sheets in there, James. I don't see him keeping a clean sheet in any of those games. Uh, Which means they probably will. I mean, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it in a a second, but it's a better game for Wolves 
going to Newcastle than it was playing Sheffield United yesterday. If you didn't own Arsenal in terms of Saka, would you just get it done and get him in? <sighs> yeah. Yeah, even even if you're heading towards 29. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... But there's a chance their game could be on. In 29? Yeah. yeah. We'll find out in the next couple of days. Yeah. Um, if it is I on... Mean, if it's on, Saka's coming in for me well, this week. No question. No debate. You'd, I'd almost have to find a way to do it, I yeah. think. Agreed. Um, he will be captained by plenty this week because of the Sheffield United home record. Arsenal have obviously another four off the back of scoring, what, five, six, five, bef- a couple before that. I think they've that. scored more in the league in February than United all season or something like the, that. Your commentator, I think it was Darren Fletcher, said yeah. on TNT, he said they'd become the first team in Premier League history to score two or more in seven consecutive yeah, halves. Of football. But that, as a fan, like you going into any half of football, we're going to score a couple of goals. Seven consecutive halves of football, you're getting two goals. That's a goal every 20 minutes when you're watching your team as an average. If I said to you, if I said to you now, Sheffield United would get a nil-nil against Arsenal, what would your reaction to that be? Ha, that's football. But it's unlikely. <laughs> to be honest... A nil-nil? No. If they were to... I'd rather... I'd, if you said they're going to scrape a 2-2 with like a shithouse set-piece You think Sheffield United scored twice against that? Set-piece and like a penalty or something. Like, yeah, the only way Arsenal don't win on on Monday night is if something weird happens, like an early red card or something like that. And it that. is football. But, yeah, I mean, that's a... I don't see anyone that betting against near the, Arsenal. That would be close to, I think... I think they'll be close to... City probably rule this out. But they'll, they'll definitely be the shortest price I think there will ever have been in the away game in terms of bookmakers' odds. And it will be one of the shortest prices, I think, for an away team in, in an away game in Premier League history. Um, they should go there and absolutely wipe the floor with them. Just way too good against a poor opponent. So about Wolves won Sheffield United too, because they did come up against <laughs> Sheffield United. Um, but and they didn't slap them. They were unlucky yesterday. They were unlucky. Mm, Tom Oves <laughs> seems to feel like they should have got something out of the game. That's our uh, Sheffield United correspondent. <coughs> yeah, old blades, yeah, he has every right to think that. Um, there's, there's one big problem though. Um, they didn't actually create a huge amount. Mm-hmm. I think XG was about zero point six. Okay, like it's shy, isn't it? But in terms of how they played, they played absolutely fine. Um, Gustavo Harmer played a little bit more advanced um, with James McAtee. Um, I did say to the patrons on the piece, I did that. I thought they would do something more offensive. That was partly Oliver Norwood sitting in deeper with uh, Vinicius Souza. Um, we saw a little bit of old Chris Wilder knocking about here with um, Armi Hodzic and Robinson really pushing over on the overlaps when the opportunity arose. And Rian Brewster up front, I thought was really good, actually. It didn't look like he was going to score, but it was a handful. Um, and it just had a bit more life about them. That said, it was also a combination of, and Gary O'Neill did a great interview after the game, basically saying we were a bit shit. Mm. It didn't play well, Wolves. He used a really interesting line, um, which I think he's one of the few managers could get away with this at the moment because he has done an exceptional job. He said, we didn't know what to do with the ball, um, which is a little bit alarming. And that's also in spite of the fact they had a very interesting game plan here which centred a lot on Ray and Ait Nori um, going and playing in midfield. Yeah. 
He moved from left wing back into central midfield, which primarily allowed uh, Mario Lamina to box crash a little bit on occasion. Um, and it meant what it did mean, unfortunately, for those who went Pedro Neto, is that he stayed really wide on the left-hand side and only really moves off that on fast counter-attacking breaks. There's one they broke from a corner. His desperation to try and get to the right-hand side was uh, remarkable. And I think he would prefer to play out there. Huang was very, very quiet. The yep. distribution from the back, I spoke about this literally with all the centre-backs last week. He's like, they're not bad on the ball, but if you're asking them to punch it and start creating, it's not good enough. Um, the midfield two, the game was slower, so you didn't get the best out of them because I think they're quite all action, all energy. That, with eight Nori moving into midfield, I, f- I think didn't necessarily have an adverse effect on them but I thought he slowed them down on quite a few occasions because I think we're trying to work it out. And it might be, you know, that he's just gone, I can try this in a game like this and I want to see what it looks like. And he might be behind the scenes quietly happy that they've just got through it and yeah. won the game. But particularly in the second half, they were, they were poor. But I spoke last week about the win at Tottenham, the win at Chelsea, and not reading too much into those games in terms of what it would mean for playing Sheffield United low block at home. Because it still was that. And again, don't read too much into yesterday when they go to Newcastle at the weekend. Because I would not be surprised if they create really good opportunities on turnover. The game could be, by the way, an absolute dream for Pedro Neto. Really could be. So if you've committed to this choice on Huang or Neto or the handful that's gone for Sarabia, don't fear the the red fixture of Newcastle away at the weekend, in most cases, play your player. I wouldn't be surprised if they go there and win. Uh, James, they are now above West Ham on points. They're above Newcastle on points. They're above Chelsea on points, are Wolves. They'll be well happy with that at the moment. Yes, uh, yes. And there are some games in hand there to, to consider. It's, a, it's, but al- still. it's also another reason you can f- almost forgive the performance yesterday. And unfortunately as well, because there are two really, really weak teams in this league, unfortunately, we are absolutely at a stage now where for it, I know people, oh, Burnley and Sheffield United have to start winning games. Well, of course they do. But everybody else, when they plays them, is going, we've got to beat these. Shit. Mm. Um, and that's why there might have been kind of disappointment from some of the Wolves fan base um, recently uh, or on yesterday. Because you, you could sit there and ask, well, hang on, we've got four at Chelsea. We've we got two at Tottenham. We've got four at Brentford. We've we got a good draw at Brighton. We should demolish Sheffield United. The game tactically doesn't work like that. No. Low blocks doesn't work free like flowing that. football. You're asking totally. a team that's been exceptional on transition to play when they haven't got the opportunity to do it. You're now asking them to control the football match. Mm. And it's not that Wolves can't, by the way. I think they've improved massively on the ball. But it's still not they're comfortable for them. If you ask Wolves to, to play that way every week, they don't finish top half. They're still they're in a process. It's not a criticism. They're in a process. Good, good. Uh, but still one more game left to go through tonight. West Ham 4, Brentford 0. Great tactical performance from Moyes. And four goals from Mikel Antonio, who looked tired last week, James. Let's see if uh, this has all been down to Lucas <laughs> Pakatar or not, because uh, he is going to... I'm almost certain he'll start tonight. Yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> desperately need him. Desperately need him. Um, we should cover them briefly, um, because I think there will be a little bit of interest if you do well tonight. Um, Bowen over Kudos. 
there's nothing to justify it. Okay. At the moment, on current form, earlier in the season, Bowen was still ticking along. Um, they're, they're, it's, it's just nothing to justify it, I would okay. say. Um, Brentford, we think Ethan Pinnock will be back after the international break. So that's a sell if you've got. Um, with what they've got coming up, so it's Chelsea at home, Arsenal away, I think, other than Tony. If you want Tony, fine, I get it. Other than that, come back for them in 29, I think. Yeah. Um, they're an interesting one as well for the running. Um, their running, I think, is pretty good. Looking at their fixtures from sort of 29 onwards to the end, it's good. Other than Villa away, their more difficult games are at home. Um, I know it's been not, only Villa from the top five at the moment. And they'll obviously have like Chelsea out, you know, playing them twice out the way and a few others as well. So, yeah, they're, you, they're worth keeping an eye on, but I don't, I don't see how you invest in them now. Uh, for Tottenham, Udogi we think will probably be available for Saturday. Poro we're not sure of at the moment. My instincts would be that it probably will play. Um, if you're investing in a Tottenham attacker at the moment, if you can get Sun, go Sun if that's, if that's what you want to do. I also do think, however, there's a case for wait until 29. I'm not sure if that game against Palace is now going to be more open or even harder for Tottenham. Right. More open because they'll want to press more, but even perhaps more harder because they'll retreat into a back five when we get into their half. You can spin that narrative either way. But I think, son, on the penalties, most explosive. And the fact that they're all fit in the offensive areas now, you might begin to get an eating into Richarlison's minutes a little bit more. Saturday's not an ideal game for Richarlison going up against a back three. I don't think. I obviously hope I'm wrong on that. The other Tottenham attackers I wouldn't consider at the moment. Uh, Chelsea, particularly for those who may well land on free hitting in 29 and subject to the cup results, that might become a lot more of more of us. That might include me, for example. If suddenly it, it looks like right free hit 29, Cole Palmer goes right to back to the top of my agenda um, with what's to come. So it's Brentford away this week. Newcastle home 28. We've spoken about that enough. Yeah. If I'm free hitting 29, whether they play Arsenal or not is irrelevant. Then you walk into 30 Burnley at home and own a good run for Chelsea and certainly almost guaranteed doubles in that running as well. Yeah. So I think if people conclude to free hit this week, we, we discussed last week, me and Clayton, that those who were heading towards free hit in 29 had probably kept Palmer. But it might be a new batch who have let go recently, alter their strategy and go, shit. And I would buy Palmer back before I got a Tottenham player under that strategy. Tottenham okay. players will also appeal if you're heading on that strategy of free hit 29 as will Liverpool players. But that's a mess at the minute. Right. Because of the injuries elsewhere, right? We don't know where we stand with Salah. Judging by Darwin Nunes' reaction to the winning goal yesterday, he probably will be available for the weekend against Nottingham Forest. And it's a good fixture. But with Manchester City afterwards as well, be honest, if they play City with the team that played yesterday, I think they'll get bait. So, and I'm sure it will be end up being stronger than that, but there's plenty you are not going to make it back. We know Trent isn't, for example. If you put Sebastian Nunes and Salah back in that, in time for City, that might be all right. Endo, who was fantastic yesterday, left on in a protective boot, but don't read too much into that. We've seen that before where players, it's just protection, they play the next game. McAllister was fatigued as hell. Luis Diaz literally just could not run 
at the end of that game at all. They had to put him at centre forward at the end because he was so spent. Mm. Um, he almost definitely won't start on Wednesday. And then if you add that back in, what sort of team are they playing against Southampton? Now, unfortunately, Southampton have just actually hit a bit of a wall and started having some bad results, having gone twenty plus without the feet. I think it's three and four now. But I, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised Liverpool go out this week. And it's the sort of thing that's going to change people's narratives massively. Yeah, a lot to learn. So make sure wherever you are listening to the podcast, you hit the subscribe button, the notification bell, the like button, whatever it may be, because you get notified as soon as our additional content for the rest of the week goes live, including that chip pod on Thursday. Uh, James, it's a question that we've had in on the internet. Um, we may as well touch on it now. In addition to obviously the FA Cup games, when do you expect that we'll know a little bit more on TV fixtures as well? Do you think there could be any announcement this week on the next batch of Sky fixtures? We're looking at probably minimum and BT and whatever. four weeks. So I would. So we've got until the I'll, end of March right now. In, we? in theory, um, it's March this weekend, isn't it? It in, is. In theory, theory, we should get April TV fixtures this week. Right. I bet we don't. Okay. I bet we might get sort of like the midweek of game week 31 and then the weekend of 32 and they'd stagger it backwards. Okay. The TV fiction might think that's irrelevant for FPL. If we get the picture, it will help the navigation of understanding which games can go where in terms of midweek days and it really will help our picture in terms of projecting 34 and 37. Um, but the honest answer is it's up to the Premier League and I wouldn't be surprised if they break it down rather than giving us all of April. Cool. All of April will take us up to like 35 or so, which obviously cannot include the midweek 34 fixtures. No, no. That's why I think you might get a stagger of announcements. They've been doing that for a little while now where they're two weeks at a time type yeah, thing. Rather they might, than yeah, month. you might get that. Good old Premier League. Uh, what do the listeners have to look forward to for the rest of this week, buddy? And uh, we'll get a couple of questions on the internet in as well. Uh, so COTC tomorrow is Tottenham versus Palace with Ricky Saunders and Roy McLaughlin-Dowd. Sky Fantasy Wednesday, the big chip talk pod Thursday. Um, Friday, I'm going to do not the deadline stream on Friday night at 7 o'clock. Um, my body cannot get from home to Tottenham in reliable fashion from a 1.30 deadline to the 3 o'clock kickoff. I'm going to tell you straight now, I'm not doing a deadline stream on Saturday. So we'll do a stream on Friday night and I will put it out as an audio on Friday night once we've got the information of everything as well. It will include your usual deadline stream graphics and stuff. Uh, Patreon podcast this week, Q&A today. Tomorrow is a quiz. Uh, Wednesday, Tottenham. Thursday, money and football on the future of the League Cup, which is on topic following the final yesterday. Uh, Friday will be our Game Week 27 preview show. Um, our advanced tier content this week will include two chip talk videos on looking at a wild card now, both today, prior to the cup fixtures, and then looking again on Thursday at what may change. Um, we'll also include Twitter stories from tonight's Monday Night Football, the team news stream on Friday, and Serge, you are guesting on Nico's Corner this week. I am, I'm here. Uh, something's. This, is, that, the, this that, is the beginning of the end. That will be available for intermediate uh, plus tier patrons as well. Are we doing that? Are we? Armageddon is happening. Yeah. For those that don't know much about Nico's Corner, you need to just get onto Patreon to find out about Nico's Corner. Um, it's highly anticipated this, and it's highly dangerous. Uh, uh, yeah. Can you let me do the edit before I put it out? 
It's all right. I can, I can, I can regulate the answers. Can you? To Nico's questions. I saw you and Clates on Friday. We'll I don't, find I don't out. know if you can. Well, there was a, a, a comment has just come in on Twitter, which was, uh, James is not on the pod for one week, and what have I just listened to? Susan Shah in detail talking about the biggest animal that he could strangle and settling on a seagull. I didn't settle on the seagull as the biggest animal my, I could strangle. My, my, my fa- I just said that that's one that I would like to strangle. My favourite bit was when you were talking about um, asking... The the bit you did is really worth listening to at the start on learning how to ask better questions was brilliant, by the way. But then someone asked a question you didn't like and you said... (laughs) Nico's laughing, right? Someone asked a question you didn't like and you went... This question's designed to get worked up. Don't get worked up about it. And I'm like, Sunj, yeah, yeah. you're getting fucking worked up, bruv. That's true. And Clayton said you got I got a bit animated. I didn't realise I was as animated. It was more the point of making a uh, the point that you can learn about somebody else from the question that they ask. And anyway, I was defending you because he was I, having a go at you for I, I, supporting I, I a appreciate club that it. has never won the European Cup from memory. Okay, mate. And therefore your footballing uh, I don't know why you even covered it. It was such is, a weird question. Uh, is zero. It was just there as a, as a question. <laughs> anyway, we did talk about strangling animals. Um, there's not a lot of good questions that we've had in on the... That's internet. why I ain't doing the unanswered uh, cues this week. It's yeah, a waste of time. Yeah, exactly that. Uh, let's answer Andrew Steddles, though. Yeah. What are your thoughts on a bench boost in a single game week? And he says game week 27. Am I being an idiot? Nope. No, I've spoken... Depends ab- on who your I've spoken about are, this surely. a lot. I mean, look... Um, I'll sit here in three days and I'll probably know what I'm doing. I suspect that's probably going to land in free hit 37 for me. But remember, I haven't got bench boost. It's different to a lot of other people. Um, but it's that. It's You know 37 will be the best for a bench boost. It's also probably going to be hell on earth in terms of rotation and stuff. It's why I bench boost in game week one. Um, I think if the opportunity lands for people, and this might be the sort of week where it does, um, then crack on. I okay. think there's opportunities for it. I think also, I'd say something I think might be really interesting, Serge, is I think this would be out-the-box thinking. I think a lot of people might head towards bench boost in 37 and realise their game week 36 team is so good that they'll want to do it then. Okay. I think that's something that might happen. We should keep an eye on that. Um, cool. I think that's it with the questions. We've covered most of them off in terms of Bournemouth defenders and uh, things like that. A lot of people just jumping in the comments to welcome you back. So welcome back. Thank you. Uh, we've made it through this episode. A Q&A coming at you today for the patrons and all of the other stuff that we mentioned earlier. Other than that, though, uh, stay safe. Look after yourselves. Good luck to West Ham tonight. Ciao for now. Thanks, everyone. Good luck to Brentford tonight. Not that any of us really give a toss. Thanks, everyone. Be nice to each other. Cue music, please. Manchild. The Fantasy Football Show. Sports Social Podcast Network.